The House, having paraded the impeachment articles down the hall to the Senate, is on recess this week. And now the Senate will get down to some grim business. For a look at the week ahead and beyond, Bloomberg Government Editorial Director Lauren Duggan. So, Lauren, basically the House said to the Senate, you're it, we're out of here, and now the Senate's got something kind of big to deal with. That's right. The impeachment trial begins in earnest tomorrow um, after last week's presentation of the articles of impeachment to the Senate and then the swearing in of Chief Justice John Roberts in his role as presiding officer of the trial and then the senators themselves swearing in as members of what's essentially a jury in this trial. So we'll see things really get down to business at 1 o'clock clock on Tuesday. And then that's going to really take over as the dominant business in the Senate until it wraps up. Uh, There's talk of being in session on Saturdays as long as it takes to get through this trial. And we'll be waiting to see what sort of agreement they can come to on the terms of the trial, whether there will be witnesses, who those witnesses will be. And there could be some votes around that as the week proceeds here and the two teams, um, the House team, the seven representatives named to represent the House, and then the president's legal team on the other side, who will be his defense as long as this trial goes on. I mean, realistically, though, the ultimate vote is not actually in doubt, is it? It doesn't seem to be. The Republicans to this point have pretty much not said that they're going to vote to convict him, and it would take 67 of them, if uh, 67 senators, if all 100 are there for the final vote. That's a pretty high bar to clear. Um, even though Democrats are in the minority with only 47 in the seats um, and Republicans with 53, the real interesting thing here is how will they fall on procedural votes? Could there be a motion to dismiss and how many Republicans back that um, and how many maybe don't, and how many Republicans will back motions to bring witnesses in. Those are probably the most likely points of drama here if that conclusion is foregone, as many people say it is. Um, But, you know, it could be the trial could go a number of ways between here and those final votes on whether or not to um, convict and remove him. All right. So the House will be out watching on television from wherever the members happen to be going. And what can we see beyond that? Let's say, well, there's other plenty of other legislative business ahead. Sure. I mean, both both the Senate Republicans and the House Democrats do want to get back to the agenda post-impeachment. There's a lot of year left here, and there's also the little business of elections coming in the fall, and members want to be able to go home and point to some achievements that they've had this year outside of just this impeachment trial. So uh, before leaving, Nancy Pelosi laid out a couple of things she wants to see. The first big one, and we may see the outlines of it as soon as they come back, but it will take some time for it to come together, is an infrastructure package, and that could come out of the transportation Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, as well as other panels who have different infrastructure projects they want to fund around the country. There's a September 30th deadline here on the surface transportation law. That's highway transit, um, the safety programs out of things like NHTSA and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. So we, we are planning to see action on that this year just because that's a big bill and something needs to be done on it. But whether a broader package that touches on more parts of the infrastructure, whether it's the energy grid or water projects, um, we'll be waiting to see what the contours of that is. And then um, a Another bill that Nita Lowy, the House Appropriations Chairwoman, unveiled would provide more than $3 billion in aid to Puerto Rico. They've had earthquakes on top of the hurricanes they had a few years ago, and there's some um, interest in pushing a package of aid to them, in addition to aid that was released last week that had been previously appropriated but held up, and also some money that became available when there was a major disaster uh, declaration from the president. But this is money that would go to HUD and the Transportation Department and the Education 
Education Department to help out um, people who are suffering there in Puerto Rico from the latest round of disasters there. We're speaking with Lauren Duggan, editorial director of Bloomberg Government. And looming over the background, I guess it was the foreground a couple of weeks ago, is the whole Iran situation and the war powers and all of this. And nobody knows what could happen next. How does that look to lay in Congress? Well, pending and kind of on hold, perhaps, during the impeachment debate will be um, action in the Senate on a resolution that would prevent the president from taking military action in Iran without specific approval from Congress. We saw a vote in the House on a concurrent resolution that sought to block that, invoking the War Powers Resolution, which is this Nixon-era law that um, the legislative branch passed to try and constrain the executive. Um, The Senate has a resolution that, according to sponsor Tim Kaine, has enough Republicans backing it to at least get the simple majority it needs to get over to the president. Um, If that were to go back to the House and be cleared for his signature, um, that would be something that the president would almost certainly veto because it would constrain his his ability to respond as he would see it in Iran. Um, And the House side, there's some bills that are also pending that Majority Leader Steny Hoyer said they might look at. One would just prevent the use of funds to um, to do anything in Iran, again, without congressional approval. And there could be another look, whether it's immediate or a little bit longer term, at the authorizations for the use of military force that were passed in 2001 and 2002, which is a long time ago, but those AUMFs, as they're called, are still dictating and being cited when military action is taken. Um, The 2002 one is what got us into Iraq, and of course, when um, Soleimani was killed, he was killed in Iraq, so that sort of gave some legal permission, as the administration saw it, for them to take the actions they did. So um, the Iran debate, even if it's cooled off militarily, will continue because obviously there could still be more action in the region and tensions are still fairly high. Um, Congress will want to have its say. Uh, There will be some Republicans who work with Democrats here on these issues, and only time will tell what the contours of that actually are. I don't think any administration has ever considered those types of resolutions constitutional, and they tend to challenge them on that ground, on separation of powers. So the resolution passage by both houses, if that were to happen, would not come close to settling the issue. Absolutely. And what's interesting is you have people who, from a constitutional standpoint, say only the House and Senate can declare war, only Congress can declare war. And at the same time, even as they assert that, recognize that there's some constitutional um, obscurity here when it comes to some of the things Congress may be trying to do. Uh, That 73 Act in the Nixon era I mentioned, the president vetoed that and Congress enacted it over his veto. So even that wasn't something the executive branch was really willing to sign on to. So there's a lot of separation of power powers and constitutional stuff that comes to play here. Even for people who really oppose the military policy, they kind of have to figure out a path there. And all of this takes us almost to Easter. And given the intensity of this year's election, that might be it pretty much for what we would see for major action until after the election, whatever that brings. It could be. Um, There's still some in the budget and appropriations world who hope that um, having a two-year budget cap deal in place makes it easier for appropriators to get to work, to turn out their bills, um, and get those across the chamber floors before they do break for elections, even if they can't finish their work by September 30th. But um, obviously, with all budget and appropriations legislation, politics can get in the way of that, too, and and riders, unless there's kind of even a handshake agreement between the House and the Senate, it could be hard to make too much 
progress on that. But uh, elections will take up a lot of time. The conventions and campaigning will certainly um, be keeping lawmakers away from Capitol Hill for weeks or even months at a time when we get to October. So we'll have to see what they can squeeze in uh, when they are in town. Lauren Duggan is editorial director of Bloomberg Government. As always, thanks so much. Thank you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.